Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this Safeguarding Children online podcast brought to you by SWGFL. Welcome to the SWGFL podcast, the free definitive guide helping educators keep young people and yourselves safe online. I'm Jess Macbeth. I'm here with Gareth Court. Hello, Gareth. Hello. Hi, Jess. Hi, everyone. We are online safety consultants with SWGFL, lead partner of the UK Safer Internet Centre, a world leader in online child safety, advising schools, charities, governments and tech providers around the globe. So welcome, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about sexting. Uh, Gareth, would you like to kick off the conversation? I would indeed. Thank you very much. So uh, we're not going to dwell too long on uh, what sexting is, the definition and legislation, because we've got some other issues that we'd like to talk about today. Uh, But in in broadest terms, and, and for the definition we're using for sexting today, it is taking a nude or sexually explicit image of yourself and then sending it to another person. Quite commonly, that's going to be a partner. Um, and of course, this is behaviour that's not confined just to adults. It does happen amongst young people as well. And uh, a little bit later, we'll probably talk about some statistics that we've we've seen over the years as professionals in this space about, about young people doing this and engaging in this kind of behaviour. Uh, the key thing to bear in mind when it comes to, to young people is actually the, the law around this kind of behaviour and this kind of content. Because if you take a nude selfie of yourself and you're under the age of 18, then you've created an indecent image of a child. If you uh, then send it to someone else, you have distributed an indecent image of a child. And if you keep it on your phone for future reference, you are in possession of an indecent image of a child. And all three of these things are illegal across the UK, typically under uh, Protection of Children Act, which was brought in around about 1978. So it's quite an old law, uh, originally designed to uh, prosecute child abusers and paedophiles, as it is still done today. Um, But it also covers sexting behaviour of under 18s, which is very confusing for them because um, it's a little bit like trying to burgle your own house because they are the child in the photo and therefore a victim, but they have also taken the photo and they're therefore the the perpetrator of a crime. Uh, Very quickly, it's important to bear in mind that in the UK, the police have always taken a very uh, common sense approach on this. They've always offered support and guidance to young people involved in this in the first instance. Prosecution is very much a last resort and it is uh, taken in context. Uh, With that in mind, if you want to know more about how you can ensure a good positive, robust, safeguarding approach in your school or college to dealing with sexting incidents as and when they may happen, then there is an excellent resource that's been created by the UK Council for Internet Safety. It's called Sexting in Schools and Colleges, and it's got loads of advice about how you can make sure that you're covering the right things and following the right types of procedures, not just to hopefully deal with this incident in a positive way, but to keep safeguarding of children and young people at the heart of everything you do when responding to incidents. So that's that's in a nutshell what sexting is. But uh, we really wanted to take the time in this podcast today to talk about some of some of the challenges and the issues for educators about uh, not just educating young people, but also safeguarding them and, and where these 
these issues may take us in the future around sexting, particularly uh, around technology as well. So Jess, do you want to kick us off? Uh, what, what are your thoughts really about the challenges for educators with the, the messaging they need to give young people about sexting? Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about this, absolutely, I felt that um, sexting is an issue that lots of people talk about. There's lots of awareness about it. There's lots of concern and angst about it. But I was really looking at it from the perspective of trying to understand um, what what educational messages um, work uh, and what might not be so effective. And one of the resources that we have, of course, is the So You Got Naked Online leaflet which is absolutely brilliant. And I always um, recommend this to any kind of professionals or, or parents, in fact, sometimes that I'm working with, which, because it really recognises that sexting actually happens. This isn't something that we can necessarily prevent happening, although we might wish to do so. Um, but it is something that is happening out there with with young people. And there are young people um, who've done done this and things have gone wrong. And the leaflet is just brilliant at providing some real practical tips and advice about what to do if you're in that situation. And so I think it can be really challenging for us, you know, as, as parents and as educators to think how, you know, we'd rather this this event never happened at all. Um, but how can we work towards kind of empowering and supporting and engaging with young children, with young people rather, um, rather than just saying, you know, the don't do it um, typical message. So that, that was really where I'm kind of coming from. Is that something that you kind of, does that resonate with you? Does that come across with you as well? Yeah, very much so. And um you know, as we've spoken about before, as I'm sure many, many educators listening will know, is that when you tell children or young people not to do something, they invariably turn around and do it for, for a number of different reasons. So there's there's limited mileage in the uh, in the don't do it approach, What whatever mm-hmm. your motivations and your reasons for, for saying that, giving that message. Young people don't always fully understand that and uh, and sometimes can't understand the, the potential future consequences of this behaviour. Um, yeah. Given mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, children, children and young people are curious at various ages and stages, and you factor technology into it and the curiosity about sex and relationships, then you've got you've got a melting pot of of incidents that are going to happen one way or another. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think we've seen that, haven't we? And um, in terms in terms of ages as well, I've, I've noticed it sliding down the age scale. So issues that we would have uh, typically in the past spoken about with maybe sort of 14 year olds and upwards. Uh, we're now having to speak about with 11 year olds. Has, has that been your experience as well, do you think? Yeah, and I think it's really challenging because, you know, knowing that actually this is this is illegal activity, these are essentially child sexual abuse images, the simplest message to give is to say, this is illegal, you know, don't do it, you'll get into trouble. And um, certainly for younger age groups that, you know, that might well work. Uh, but for older age groups, that's where I think we need to just be careful, be mindful about the messages that we give, because the last thing we want to give young people is this idea that, um, you know, something's illegal, therefore don't do it. They're sitting there, they've already done it. Uh, and now they think, well, I can't tell anybody because I'm going to get into trouble. Um, so so that's really where I'm coming from. Yes, in terms of younger children, I think there is um, a- a evidence, understanding that younger children perhaps are copying older siblings. We are aware of this kind of sexualized environment that we are in, in terms of the kind of advertising um, and the media environment that we're in as well. Um, so yeah, it's really tricky. But certainly, so here in Scotland, I'm aware that we've got a new um, relationship, sexual health and parenting curriculum that's come out. And that includes um, looking at issues such as consent and how can you talk about that with different age groups. And presumably the PHSE work in England um, is going along the same lines? Yes, yeah, yes, uh, very much so. And uh, the case will be that for September 2020, 
that uh, that all schools in the UK will be teaching a relationships and sex education curriculum um, aimed at the, the young people and children that they work with. Uh, and I believe that Wales are, have got a similar initiative on the go as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing, though, isn't it, really? Because because the more we talk about it, and we're going to come onto the technology side in a little bit, the more we talk about it, though, the, the real heart of these issues is is relationships it's uh it's a trust issue and, and quite often from my experience of, of working with young people where these these things have gone wrong where the real issues have come from is when uh that trust has been breached in some way either by a friend or um someone in a romantic relationship that's where the real issues go is that is once this image has has left a private communication maybe a one-on-one communication or, or sharing and it's got out to a much wider audience it, would you agree that's kind of where the issues tend to manifest themselves yeah and i think um you know as educators particularly one of the challenges that we have is is how do we talk about this kind of behavior and whether we are um aiming our sort of directing our messages towards the individual uh, or looking at the kind of wider context that somebody's in and the kind of surrounding behavior. So it's almost this idea of, you know, is it somebody's fault, is somebody to blame for taking an image in the first place? Or should we be looking at whether it's okay to share images um, without consent? And it's maybe trying to put more of the onus on kind of responsibility in the round. So, if you know, if you receive a message, if you receive an image, that's inappropriate what do you do with that and is it okay to share how do you how do we actually um respond to that in a safeguarding response rather than just looking at the individual so there's kind of that aspect and then the other aspect is is there a culture developing you know within a class within a school or within an environment that's that's um promoting this kind of behavior and how can we kind of direct away from that so looking at kind of groupthink and cultural um perspectives on things as well not just always focusing um i think on the individual that would be my kind of um suggestion in terms of resources there is one i mean there's a particular resource that was recommended to me i have not used it or looked at it but it's by youthscape and it's called um is it okay so hashtag is it okay that's one that i've i've kind of come across which is a resource that you can buy and it's a a game with different different um, cards in it and carefully designed images and messages um, to do an activity around this. And I'm aware that there are a number of organisations that work in schools, particularly on kind of relationships, sexting, consent, etc., that might use this kind of resource as well. Uh, what kind of resources have you come across, Gareth? So so one resource that, that sticks in mind that came out fairly recently uh, is a resource by Chardonnay International, who are one of our partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre, who uh, have been working with European partners for the last couple of years on something called Project DeShame, which is about sexual violence and sexual harassment, although sexting featured quite prominently in the materials and, and the focus groups and the research report they did, they did around this as well. And um, and it's, I, th- I think it's it's right what you're saying just there is it's not just to focus on the individual taking and showing these kind of images all the time because I think that's that's always going to have limited impact. It is very much a case of of looking at communities and cultures as a whole, as a whole understanding those norms and, and seeking ways to change those behaviours. And actually, while you're saying that, it just brought to mind. Um, things that our Belgian colleagues started doing a few years ago with resources in Belgium, where they've actually taken the focus off the individual who may take and share those pictures and actually put put their educational resources and messaging into that wider group around that young person. And actually, how do you change their behaviour? How do you get them to understand the issues around consent and trust and respect um, if they do ever receive an image of that nature? Mm-hmm. So um, the, the DSHA materials are available on Chardonnay's website. And there's, there's links on our Safer Internet Centre website as well, saferinternet.org.uk. So I think there's lots of useful stuff there. 
um, and, and some really interesting quotes from young people uh, there as well. But one of the, the things I found really interesting, because um, I was involved in the project in the early stages with some of the focus groups, was uh, the attitudes of some of the young people about receiving help. Because um, one of the key messages, I, I don't know if you agree, Jess, is that we always say to young people, particularly for on, online safety issues, but particularly with sexting, is to go and talk to someone and tell someone sooner rather than later. That's, that's kind of the key of, of getting the whole problem sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found with these young people that I was speaking to that they, they had this real reticence about going and telling a teacher in school. Um, partly because they thought that nothing really was going to get sorted or teachers wouldn't know what to do. But there was also this lack of trust in the educators in their school to to deal with this sensitively and professionally. They they had this firm belief that actually if they had a sexting problem and they went to the teacher, the teacher was going to go around the staff room holding up a phone with the image on and showing it to all the other teachers to show them what had gone on, which, of course, is is completely not the way that that schools do safeguarding. And and I'm sure anyone listening will agree it would be the last thing on your mind when you were dealing with an incident like this. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to see that some young people perceive it in this way. So I guess there's a challenge there about how do we help young people to understand that, that educators and schools and those around them who are there to safeguard them are actually there to help them rather than to get them in more trouble. That's really interesting, actually, if you think about the barriers to young people reporting, um, because there's also an issue, isn't there, around about, <clears throat> particularly when we're talking about sexting images and because these are child sexual abuse images, essentially, um, there's the concern about device being taken away. So, you know, police might wanting to look at a device, you're never getting it back. Or also concern that parents might just, you know, it's, it's that author- authoritarian response. So kind of shut down, turn off, switch off, confiscate, take away. Um, these are the kind of barriers that might prevent children and young people from reporting to somebody that they trust. And so part of our of our work in terms of educating young people is about explaining not just you know what's right and what's wrong but also that you know it's never too late to talk to somebody not going to have you know a really terrible response to something you're not going to get told off necessarily it's about really kind of supporting and protecting young people where we can absolutely um i guess the other side of it as well is obviously we have that that reticent side of getting help if they were worried about things we've got the other end of the spectrum i guess which is this this cavalier attitude and and i remember you were telling me about uh a particular particular story that had come out of work in New Zealand around sexting about a, a young man who was who was quite happy to send very intimate images of himself to, to the opposite sex in the hope of receiving something in return. Um, and, and likewise, I've spoken to young people in the past who have said that, uh, typically male, if we're fair, who, who don't see it as being a particularly big deal to, to take and send a nude picture if it only shows their, their genitalia, because actually they kind of feel they can't be identified by it in any way. And so for them, it's almost like a, a sort of a not quite a coping strategy, I guess, but a way of, of managing risk in that they feel they're sending out an image that's technically, while it is still an illegal image, doesn't actually identify them as a child in any way. And they feel they're not particularly worried about other people seeing it or sharing it on because you know, they can always just deny it. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's really fascinating, isn't it, in terms of long term reputation. So for young people, how, you know, able are they to think about the long term consequences of something? And will they feel the same about something later on, whether it's deniable or not? Um, if everybody knows that that, that particular photograph is of you, I think is, you know, it's a really interesting one. And I suppose it almost raises in my mind, will we we seem to be at a stage in time where things do come back to haunt people. You know, that tweet that somebody sent five years ago comes back to bite them and they find themselves out of office or, you know, they've, they've been sacked or whatever. And it's this idea, I suppose, that we, you know, you can never have made a mistake. I don't know if we might see a change in that in the future. I don't know if everybody will have kind of skeletons in their closet one day, things that they did when they were, you know, 15 or 17 that, they, that they'd rather they didn't. Um, which I think takes us on to where's the technology going as well? 
because we've come from this idea of, of you know photographs and images we've then moved into kind of video and live streaming where, where do you think we're going in the future so so yeah i think there's a number of issues here well the first one that you mentioned there obviously live streaming is a big one and our, our other partners in the safer internet center the internet watch foundation uh published a report in may 2018 about um child abuse images that they had uh, monitored, in, in particular images that have been taken as still screenshots from, from live streaming footage on social media. And um, uh, statistics were, were, were very worrying because, you know, the majority of the, the victims, the children involved in these photos were aged 13 and under, 96% of them were female. It really pointed towards a, a particular group of young people that were especially at risk of uh, engaging these kind of activity online and, and having pictures or videos stored of them and, and then consequently sent all around the internet and, and to some of the darker areas of the internet uh, where they have may, may have no knowledge that it went as well. So I think I think that was really interesting is that while live streaming is, is very much a current technology, it also highlighted a need to, to really focus our messages, particularly around a particular age group. So as mentioned earlier, we used to speak about it with 14-year-olds. Clearly, we need to be speaking about it at a much younger age in an age-appropriate way to help younger children understand these risks because mm -hmm. technology is now enabling this content to be captured and to be sent uh, around the internet far more easily. Mm -hmm. um, I, I also had just, I, I just digged out, I dug out a quote from, from D shame. I think it feeds back in quite nicely to what we were just talking about in terms of um, deniability of, of whether or not you're in the image. And this was from a, uh, a 14 year old in the UK, gender unknown or undecided. And they said, uh, apparently I sent a nude to a girl in my year, but this was from a fake account with a picture from the internet. This went on for at least two months. It made me feel depressed, lonely and angry. I think that's another interesting aspect that technology is enabling is that it doesn't even need to be a, a real image yeah. of, of that young person anymore. You can literally just go onto the internet. You can Google something. You can, you can go to an image search, grab any naked picture of someone that, that looks like they might be quite young and pass it off as someone else. So it doesn't even need to be a, a case of a breach of trust anymore. If someone has malicious intent or they want to bully or harass someone, then then there's very easy ways for them to do that now. And it's, it's a hard one to defend against as well. Mm -hmm. And it does take us into the realms of, like you say, bullying and harassment and also that kind of context. So, you know, whether an image is illegal or not, what's the impact on a young person and the kind of practical steps that you can take uh, to, to get an image taken down and how that's going to work um, which again would be covered under um, a variety of resources that we've got available on our website um, that listeners can have a look at um, so before we finish up um, is there let's just do a recap shall we of the resources that we've kind of mentioned so we've talked about so you got naked online there's also I think you were telling me around about a specific um, resource that's available for um, professionals in schools and colleges, I believe it is, in terms of responding to a sexting incident. Yep. So that was the uh, the UK Council for Internet Safety, their sexting in schools and colleges guidance, which is uh, aimed at uh, designated safeguarding leads or child protection officers but it's a great way of making sure that you're you're taking the right approach in your education setting to tackling these incidents if they do occur mm -hmm. and um i think generally we've also set up a an email so if you have uh, an issue or a question that you would like us to cover on the podcast you can get in touch by emailing us on podcast at swgfl.org.uk just to finish up then uh, do you have a recommendation of one thing to read watch or listen to gareth I do. G given that this has been quite a heavy podcast in a number of ways, lots of lots of food for thought 
here and uh, talking about lots of the challenges that educators might face. I thought we'd do something a bit more uplifting to finish off. So so my favourite is is one that's been around for a little while on, on YouTube and online, but I've only discovered it recently. And it's a, uh, a, a comedian by the name of James Veach, V-E-I-T-C-H. If you Google or YouTube him, you'll find it very, very easily. He's done uh, a number of videos, including a couple of TED Talks. Um, and, and he's great because he's uh, taken this approach to whenever he receives a clear scam or phishing email he's taking the approach of responding to it and engaging with the person who sent it um but then he kind of disrupts it and, and takes it off in all sorts of weird and wonderful directions to the point that they get so exasperated with him they are the ones that give up first rather than him so it's uh, it's I, I wouldn't necessarily you know advocate uh, trying it out yourself unless you've got lots of free time and, and a great sense of humor but but well worth a watch just for the enjoyment's sake if nothing else and the one that i'd recommend which actually i haven't seen yet but i'm going to watch is the great hack film uh, on netflix which is about the cambridge analytica scandal so I think I'm sure that'll be worth a watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. Okay, so we've come to the end of our podcast. Thank you very much uh, for listening. If you found the podcast helpful, please spread the word to your fellow educators. It's a free podcast and it's available on most casting apps. As always, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk or by calling 0344 381 4772. And just a reminder, if you've got a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the podcast, just email us at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Better internet starts with us. Thanks very much. Goodbye. This Safeguarding Children online podcast has been produced by SWGFL. Southwest Grid for Learning is a charity that has specialised in online safety for nearly 20 years and is one of the three partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre. The UK Safer Internet Centre is the National Centre and one of 32 European Safer Internet Centres. For more information and terms of use, please visit www.swgfl.org.uk.